the most common class mutual fund that we see are class A shares, which charge an upfront fee to get into that investment. Those upfront fees uh, also include expense ratios included with the 12 B1 fee. And then really the front end load fee is where you're gonna see the majority of the fee that could range from four and a quarter to 6% on that initial fee, that front fee there. If you're going to buy mutual funds, that would probably be the best mutual fund to get into is those Class A shares over the long run if you're going to hold that investment for a long period of time and you're going to be invested in mutual funds. That would be the best option. It's time for the Retirement Reality Podcast with the founder of Principal Preservation Services, Mike Koyanen. So today we got a good show planned and we got a special guest. We're going to be talking about mutual funds, the ins and outs of mutual funds. It's a very popular uh, investment vehicle for many people. And we're going to discuss whether or not that's kind of changing and whether or not maybe you should look elsewhere potentially. And we'll do that by explaining a lot about mutual funds, some some key terms that you need to know about. And uh, we'll do that as always with Mike Quinn. And Mike, we got a special guest today, right? Yeah, very special guest. Right right across the uh, the hall in our office, Casey Bird, who is our investment advisor representative here for our well side of our, our business. Awesome, Casey. Well, welcome on to the show. How are you doing? Doing well, Ben. How are you? Doing well. Well, I'm glad, glad you took some time to join us. And uh, just give me a quick little background on, on what you do, just so the listeners kind of have an idea of uh, your day-to-day. So what I do here is I really assess the portfolios as they come in and look at how much risk they have. Is that appropriate? Is that where they want to be? And we're looking at kind of putting it all together and seeing if, you know, what could they potentially lose in a, in a down market? What could they gain in a really uptrending market and see if they're comfortable with that? A lot of times they're not, but that's essentially what I do. And then I give the best recommendation on what would be best for them and uh, where they're currently at in their life today. Sounds good. Let me remind you about uh, the team over at Principal Preservation Services. They have two offices. You can find them in Woodbury in Minnesota and then Hudson right across the border. Uh, they serve all that Minneapolis, St. Paul, and western Wisconsin area. So check them out online, principalpreservationservices.com. You can call them at 855-987-8888. And, of course, Mike has a, a book out, a couple of books he's working on always. But uh, Mama's Secret Recipe for Retirement Success is out and available if you're looking for a little more deeper conversation. He's got that for you as well. So we take a lot of those retirement topics that are in that book and and bring them onto the show. And today we're talking mutual funds, you know, very, very popular way for people to invest. But is that landscape changing? So let's run down a few questions and try to help people understand mutual funds a little bit better and whether or not they are the best investment option for them. So let me just start uh, with, with a basic. So Mike, when you have clients come in and work with you guys, and, and you too, Casey, what percentage of your clients actually own mutual funds in one form or another when they first come to see you? Yeah, I, I actually think that's almost 100%. Okay. I mean, because yeah. you, you, if clients are invested in those employer-sponsored plans, which most people have a 401k or 403b or something like that, and also IRAs on top of that, but most of those employer-sponsored plans, that's what they're utilizing. They're using a lot of mutual funds. And, um, and that's really kind of been a, a hot investment the last roughly couple of decades that people have been utilizing for retirement success. And, you know, what, one, what is a mutual fund? It's just a conglomerate of a bunch of other funds inside that fund. You know, so mm-hmm. it's a cheaper way to, to get shares in. You know, we look at Amazon stock is, you know, it's just fluctuating a lot, 1700 up a share to 2000 a share. But 
it's expensive to have one share of Amazon, but so you might want not want to buy Amazon stock, but you might want to buy a mutual fund that might have, you know, 10% of that portfolio in Amazon stock, you know, so in in, in a bunch of other stocks as well. So it's a cheaper way to be in, in the market in a sense to have shares of uh, of other companies without having to actually buy full shares. So I think one thing to say is to put a perspective, uh, one of uh, another advisor told me here last summer, he says, people who have money invest in stocks. People who don't have a lot of money will invest in mutual funds because they can still get be in the market. But, and I don't think a lot of people put that perspective in, in the sense, but because we don't really utilize mutual funds and uh, our client's portfolio, which Casey's gonna get to here in a little bit. But we do, long answer is <laughs> a long story short, Mutual funds are almost in everybody's portfolio that we see. Okay. Before they when they come in here. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, anybody you talk to, and especially when you first get into investing, that seems like a, a very easy option to to get into without understanding a lot. So I want to try to help make a little more sense of what is all involved with mutual funds. So explain expense ratios. What what is this, and why is it important? So expense ratios are just kind of the cost and what you what the cost is. So there's different classes of mutual funds. Uh, the most common class of mutual fund that we see are Class A shares, which charge an upfront fee to get into that investment. Those upfront fees uh, also include expense ratios included with the 12B1 fee. And then really the front end load fee is where you're going to see the majority of the fee that could range from four and a quarter to 6% on that initial fee, that front fee there. But over the long term, if you're going to buy mutual funds, that would probably be the best mutual fund to get into is those Class A shares. Even though it has that uh, front end load fee that's so high, over the long run, if you're going to hold that investment for a long period of time and you're going to be invested in mutual funds, that would be the best option. Uh, Another option would be a Class B share. You're going to see the difference in charges be they're going to have a high exit fee. So to get out of that fund, they're going to have a high fee to liquidate that fund and get out of it. But they're also going to have higher expense ratios going forward, like that 12B-1 fee. So again, A shares are going to be bet more for that long investor uh, that's going to be holding that for a long period of time. Class B shares, like we talked about, it's not really going to be today's investment. I'd say Class B shares are really on their way out for the most part. Class C shares going to have higher expense ratios than Class A shares and a smaller exit fee. But that small exit fee can be waived after one year. depends on how long you hold it. But there's not going to be an upfront load fee on the Class B and Class C shares. Class C shares are going to really be popular with retail investors. They're really best for short-term investors. Yeah, and one thing I think is important to uh uh, talk about and, and really for clients just if they want to know what they're paying in their mutual funds they can just do a self-study obviously you get that prospectus they mail to you but most people throw those in the garbage I do, yeah <laughs> they're, they're, they're they're great ways to start fires right because that paper is really like newspaper but um, you can go to like Yahoo Finance um, just go to Yahoo click on the finance tab type in the ticker symbol of that mutual fund and then you go to the profile page on Yahoo Finance, and it'll show you what the fees are. And mo- when we sh- we bring clients to that page, they're surprised the fees that they're paying. And those Class A f- shares, a lot of times it's 0.7% to one, little over a 1% in fees for just the, the expense of that investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we see a lot on those C funds are, a lot of times those are 1.75 to 2.5% just for that one investment. And so, 
and typically what we say, you know, these are, yeah, they're managed. You have a money manager on those accounts, but are they really professionally managed? And we'll get into that a little bit either as well, because they're not really, uh, you're, you're, they're managing risk, but they're not getting out of the market when things are, are volatile. So, okay. Well, that makes sense. And I know, Case, you touched on it briefly uh, in your answer, but you mentioned the term loaded. So explain what, what loaded mutual funds mean. I, I've seen those terms before, and you mentioned the, the front load and the back load. Kind of explain that a little deeper. Yeah, so the front load is going to be when you're, say you have, you know, the, your, your money that you're going to be investing. Well, they're going to charge initially right when you go into that investment, you know, up anywhere from four and a quarter to six percent right when you get into that investment so that's going to be the front end load fee so as you can tell that's going to be a really high commission to that agent that's working for that broker dealer really the b and c shares don't really have those load fees but b share kind of hasn't you know that exit fee that we talked about so that's going to be that back end to get out of that and that's not going to be that four to six percent roughly but it is going to be significant to get out of that fund that's why a lot of people really don't look to invest in those b shares um, and talking about those funds, to add more to that, what Mike was talking about briefly was, while mutual funds are actively managed, 80% of those assets have to stay invested in the original investment goal that they started with at all times. Meaning, even though they're actively managed, they still have to stay within the market and where they're, at, where they're um, originally started with. So based on economic conditions and where the market goes, if it, continue, if it goes down and we enter into a recession, they're going to have to stay invested in that 80% of that original goal at all times. So one of the things that we like to do is we really don't recommend mutual funds, really because we're looking to actively manage like mutual funds can, but we're not subject to only staying to 80%. We're able to move 100% of our clients' money away from that original market risk and into safer positions with, a, again, that actively managed portfolio. So we don't see and take on those major losses like what we saw in that 2008. Yeah, that's good to know. I wouldn't, you know, you don't really think about that as much, but being able to have full control of your money is important. So taxes, what are some of the tax issues we need to consider with mutual funds? Is that something that really has an impact in your decision? Yeah, on the tax issues with mutual funds, if it's inside a uh, qualified account like a Roth or or uh, you know IRA, there's no tax issue upon you know moving that investment from one investment to another. Obviously, if it's most people have their mutual funds in traditional IRAs or 401ks, when you sell the investment and distribute that money as income, well, yeah, you pay regular uh, income taxes. You get state and federal income taxes you're subject to. But if you hold mutual funds in a non-qualified account, these are non-IRA dollars, okay, in a non-qualified account, when that money manager changes investments within that fund, it could trigger some um, capital gains. And so that kind of can catch some people off guard because you might have a $100,000 maybe inheritance you had that you invested in the market. It's not in an IRA. And then all of a sudden you get a, you get a, a 1099 here at the end of the year from your brokerage firm. And you say, well, I didn't sell anything. Well, you didn't, but they did. And so they uh, they made some fund transfers within that fund, and it triggers capital gains if there's some gains in that. So you have to be very careful about that. And that's with any non-qualified reality is, you know, you sell, if you have stock, you know, and the stock makes money, you're expected to pay capital gains. But usually 
if you're holding a stock, you're, you're initiating that that sale, right? So you're expecting the capital gains to happen. In a mutual fund, they can catch you off guard because you don't know when that money manager is making some changes within the fund. That's just something to be very aware of. Okay. Well, I'm not getting a warm and fuzzy feeling about mutual funds <laughs> yeah. from talking with either one of you guys. So, I mean, is yeah. this something that, that should be eliminated altogether? I mean, is there a purpose for mutual funds? You know, you guys don't really just, uh, tell your clients to get involved with them very much, but kind of what do you see as the future of mutual funds? Uh, we kind of see the future of mutual funds. I mean, possibly staying right where it is. However, I think as more and more uh, people get educated about what the term fiduciary means, that's where we start seeing a shift. And we're seeing the term fiduciary be more prevalent in today than what it was back then because we're seeing more education come out about what is the difference between you know, an agent working with a broker dealer or a fiduciary working with a registered investment advisory firm. So difference being, we look at it and talk about there's really two different types of fiduciaries in our world, we believe. The first type of fiduciary is that agent working that with that broker dealer where he can look at his clients and tell his clients that he is a fiduciary. However, if the client doesn't know to ask that agent, who are you a fiduciary to? that can be very difficult because they could leave you with the impression that they're having your best interests in mind, which is what a fiduciary is, and putting their goals above his own or his, their interests. However, the agent's fiduciary responsibility is to the company that he's working for. Now, not, not, not most people know to ask that question, obviously, but looking at the second type of fiduciary is what we are. We take on a moral responsibility to put our client's best interest above our own, but also we do, we're held to a legal standard as well. And so that being said, is we're able to continue to partner with our clients in retirement and using exchange-traded funds are a better way to do that because it's a lot less expense. And again, we're able to actually manage 100% of our clients' money without initiating a lot of costs associated with the mutual funds. Yeah, and I think another important part is uh, as people are leaving the mutual fund world and coming over to uh, have their money's professional managed with you know exchange-traded funds, ETFs, uh, the big difference is when sales that are made, transactions are made, there's still some expenses in, um, of trading. Even in an IRA account to get out of a mutual fund, there's some cost to get out of a mutual fund where if you have ETFs, uh, there is no cost uh, to do that because we mm -hmm. use uh, no load fees, or, you know, transaction fees, ETFs. So, right. uh, so that's a big difference too, as we notice as people have been transitioning from other firms to our firm and the other firms were using mutual funds, um, that's these little expenses here of a few bucks here and five bucks there and 60 cents there and there's multiple trades every month that just adds up and we're right. just nice to not have to charge those our clients any of those mm -hmm. which is great yeah those those numbers add up pretty quickly it seems like a small amount but when you add it over the course of your retirement planning it's uh, it's quite a bit so if yes. you if you have some mutual fund questions or if you have a bunch of mutual funds in your portfolio and think about hey what are some other things i can be doing with this money uh, reach out to Principal Preservation Services, that team, KC, Mike, those guys will help you out and uh, get you on the right track and, and talk to you about the other options you have and discuss any other questions you have on mutual funds. We got into it a pretty good amount, but I'm sure you might have additional questions on the topic. So some very good information uh, from both of them on that. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. We're going to move in now to our mailbag. Got a couple of questions. You can send in your questions at principalpreservationservices.com. You can reach out on Facebook as well. Connect with 
Principal Preservation Services Facebook page and send over a question there. We'll bring it on the show and feature it here and try to give this information out to as many people as possible. Got a couple questions today, Mike. We're going to start with Helen. She writes, my husband's military pension is a very nice monthly benefit, but after he dies, I don't get a penny of it. In retrospect, that was a mistake, but it's nothing we can change now. So how do we address this problem moving forward? Yeah, I, again, knowing it was a mistake, that's if you have upcoming pensions, first of all, is, is look at all the different options. But the best thing you could do right now is to um, hedge with some life insurance right now. And hopefully health is, is not an issue that you can still qualify. The best thing to do is we're not talking about whole life or uh, in the, you know, universal life or anything like that. To get the, the best bang for your buck is to buy some term insurance. And um, what I recommend doing, and sometimes we've given a recommendation for somebody to take that 100% pension benefit. But before we do that, we make sure they qualify for health insu- for life insurance first based off health. So as long as they qualify for a good rating and a, a reasonable fee, uh, for that life insurance, it's smart to do that. So maybe, depending what size the pension is, get a, uh, a physical. The life insurance companies will send somebody out to the house, do a blood pressure and um, blood work on that. It doesn't cost you anything. In about 30 to 45 days, you'll have a response back what they, what they qualify you for. And whether you pick up $100,000 or $250,000 or 500000 whatever that number is, if you can afford it, if something happens, your husband, well, at least you're going to get that tax-free death benefit of the life insurance. Now, again, you have to look at your options. Typically, whatever age you're at, if you're 65 years old, roughly, you might be able to go about 15 years on a get a reasonable term life insurance to go till age 80. After age 80, it probably won't make a big difference, but sometimes you go up to 20 years left. So, um, get you insured up to 80 or 85 or your husband insured up to 80 or 85. So um, I would look at that. That would be the best bet to give you some sort of protection. You won't get that pension, but you'll get tax-free bucket of money if something happens. Hopefully that answered your question, Helen, and it's a good perspective to have. You know, you might have made a mistake, but there's always something you can do to try to correct that. So kudos to you for looking for that answer. Uh, the next question comes in from Warren. Uh, he writes, because of a mutual friend, I have the opportunity to work with an advisor who works primarily with people who invest $5 million or more. I don't have nearly that much, but I'd love to get the advice of such a big-time advisor. Would you agree this is a great opportunity for me? That could vary. Um, one thing I will say is if you're not in that category of what this advisor typically works with, most likely his niche is working with these bigger clients and he might be offering some alternative investments that might not be suitable for you where you're sitting at. You might have half a million, you might have a million, which is great, Or, uh, but somebody who has $5 million definitely can take a lot, a lot more risk and they don't, they're not as worried about a 25, 35% portfolio uh, hit in the market because they know the market's going to come back and their their portfolio's going to be okay, uh, as opposed to somebody who has, um, you know, 750000 a million dollars, you take a 30% hit, well, that's going to drastically change your retirement. So just because that person is is uh, maybe a big shot, works with some big clients, it might not be suitable because they their, their niche is working with some riskier uh, you know, clientele. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the best option. Yeah, definitely something to consider, Warren, uh, before you make that decision. And if you are looking for an advisor, if you listen to this podcast, I recommend you reach out to to Mike and, and Casey over at Principal Preservation Services. Check them out as well. Uh, let them see what they can do for you. Uh, sit down, have a meeting with them. 
You can find it, more information at principalpreservationservices.com. And, of course, you can always set up an appointment over the phone at 855-987-8888. Well, Casey, thanks for coming on today. We appreciate you joining us and giving us a little more insight into mutual funds. It uh, was a good conversation. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And thank you, Mike. We will talk to everyone again next time here on the Retirement Reality Podcast. Make sure you subscribe. A new episode coming out next week. We'll talk to you then. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.